Christian greetings to all of you this morning in the name of Jesus. It's marvelous that we here this morning can worship God, can greet you in the name of Jesus. We can do that anywhere around the world because our God is the God of the universe. As Brother Leon was saying, our connections have went back to about 1968. And um, there was a period of time after I left in left uh, Poplar Hill School in uh, July of 1969 that I knew not where Leon was. I knew this was somewhat his home area, but uh, we just didn't have any connections. Well, then after a few years, I was ordained and he was ordained and uh, we met at some minister's meeting, maybe up in uh, Harrisonburg, I'm not sure, that Southeastern had there. And so our acquaintance was renewed, and of course, you know, when we were young people, neither of us, at least I doubt it, Brother Leon felt that the Lord was really going to call him into the ministry. Um, neither did I, even though my father was a minister, um, I grew up in the mountains of West Virginia, about 60 miles west of Harrisonburg. If you would travel Route 33 back over the mountains in the area where Larry Showalter is and some of those brethren there, uh, that's where I grew up. And so then when I was at Red Lake, I met my wife Edith from Maryland, and that's where we settled after we got married in 1969, uh, real close to Hagerstown, Maryland, and then as the Lord led in relation to church affiliation, we have um, been established now at Yarrowsburg, which is southern part of Washington County, southeast of Hagerstown, about 20 mile or a little more. And uh, we've been there for a number of years. But the same enemy, enemy that you face, we face. And um, <clears throat> Christian life is not an easy road. And I hope that we're not expecting it to be, even though I know we have many pleasant things and many enjoyable things. And, you know, we have it very easy this morning compared to many people in our world. Um, Brother Dwayne Eby, if you've heard of him, and maybe he's been here to preach, is one of our bishops. And he reminded us just recently, I can't remember whether it was in a, a service or whether it was at a minister's meeting, that there are people in our world that are even in this country, he said, that you know do face severe persecution in their life because they say they are Christian. And we don't know what is lies in the future, but we need to have faith in God. And my text this morning is taken from Romans chapter one. And if you'll turn there, <clears throat> want to notice verses 16 and 17 of Romans chapter one. It has to do with faith. It has to do with God. It has to do with you and I. And um, so I'd like to read Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. 
As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so this morning, beloved, as God's people, we have heard the gospel message. And we are blessed. We are privileged to have the word of God and to know the message of the gospel. In our day today, there are more in our communities than ever before that have no influence of God, have no uh, way to know who God is without maybe some outside source. It doesn't come from mom or dad. It doesn't come from somewhere that they go to a church. You know, they, they don't know what real order and disciplined life is. They don't know what uh, listening to authority is. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is the message of salvation. It's the power of God to transform lives, to bring wills into subjection, to uh, give direction in life and so forth. But it's to those that believe, he says in verse 16. This gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe. <clears throat> now in verse 17... He goes on further with this thought and that he says the righteousness of God or the pathway of holiness or the pathway to eternal life is revealed as you and I go faith by faith or step by step. And so the title of my message this morning is the just shall live by faith. The last phrase of verse 17. And so as we look at this phrase this morning, I'd like to just think about it for a moment. The just, those that are sanctified, those that have been justified, those that are redeemed is the ones in focus. And so it's every born again believer. Every child of God, whether you're here this morning or whether it's somebody else around the globe. But for us this morning, we need to think about in a local setting because it needs to be personal. The just shall live. That means to have life. That means to have uh, experienced that quickening power of God. And that means to live a lifetime. The just shall live. It's a continue, continuing action in my life and yours. And so the just shall live by faith. That persuasion, that confidence of truth and all that's pertaining to the Godhead, whether it be visible or invisible, and his word. And then my response of surrender, this faith, it influences my heart and life, and it's my belief in the gospel message. And so the just shall live by faith is, I believe, a complete statement. It says what it needs to say, and it gives the message clear. We can't dissect it and lose part of it and still have what we need as we think about the directive that we're looking at here this morning. The just shall live by faith. We don't live by works alone. We don't live by the law any longer, the old covenant. We live by the grace and power of God and our surrender to the direction and lordship of Jesus Christ. 
And so in our living, in the spiritual battle that we face, you and I today, we wrestle with the factors of faith versus sight. And we have a couple of scriptures that that really is mentioned. We live by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> so we face that factor of no, we're not constantly as a yo-yo or as a uh, something that's rocking back and forth, but we, we live in a world that is totally controlled by sight. We see all the things around us. We have the five senses. We feel, we sense by smell and, and on and on. Uh, that's a part of our nature. We're born with that natural nature, the flesh body and so it's affected by the sight but for the child of God there is that aspect of faith that we can truly lay hold on so as we live in this visible world and the senses that we have uh, we are faced with that as I said every day and it is important that we allow those senses to do their function for us physically, because if we ignored them totally, we would be in chaos, we would be in trouble. <clears throat> but it's important, beloved, that as Christian people, we truly are focusing on the faith that God wants us to have and that God can impart to us Living by sight is much more comfortable for us or anybody if we're really focusing primarily on the tangible things of life. The, um, you see, it's either focusing on these things, many people are, or we're focusing on faith. And so it's one or the other that is controlling, that is, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that is um, giving some direction to our life, or it's the natural nature of us that's controlling our life. And so I say, <clears throat> if we're really focusing on the natural, then sight is very uh, important to us you know we only are going to allow those things to happen to us we make those decisions and choices based on what we see and what we know and and you know we we just have control of our life we would think or many people are doing that you know that's the push of our society because it's unregenerate you know whether you're in business or whether you're thinking about your health needs or whether you're thinking about your financial needs or whatever, our society today has many things to tell you and how to operate all of that, those aspects of your life because they've figured this all out. So they think as far as what you do, but are void and are forgetting and are ignoring that God has a plan that you and I want to live this life here committed to him 
into his direction by his spirit and that we have faith in God. He's invisible as far as we can know. Um, you know, we haven't seen, I don't think probably anybody of you here, maybe you have seen a direct manifestation of God. The uh, children of Israel did a few times, not maybe not God himself, of course, but, you know, they saw some very detailed and forceful uh, manifestations of God in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament. But we know today God lives because he lives within our life, in our heart. And um, so I say, you know, if we're focusing on the natural things, if we're focusing on things of sight, then it's more comfortable for us to take on, to be um, influenced by all the supports and all the um, many things that our society has to offer and the government or whatever. Um, we're, we're just open to that if we're living by sight. And we become fearful because we don't, when things kind of seem to go out of control, we don't know how to get it under control. Um, because, you know, man is frail. Uh, we don't have uh, super minds, even though some people would think they are very well educated, and I'm not trying to knock that per se, but, you know, that, that alone is not going to get you where you need to know everything that you should know but when we have faith in God we can have a support and can have the encouragement I believe that's where that uh, joy can come from even in the midst of great and sore trials and so faith is the basis for making decisions for further action in life even though we may not see visible space for the next step and you may have been there already. Um, and if you haven't, you probably will sometime in life. If you're young and, and still have a full life, you know, or many years to come. Only the Lord knows that. But uh, there's times when the Christian, when we walk by faith, we don't really know what the next step is. And our plans are subject to change at a minute's and a moment's notice from time to time. Living by faith is a continual growth in trust, confidence, and assurance toward God and leading of His Spirit. Living by faith also stretches our commitment and willingness and our dependence on God to go where He will lead us. And I think it's important that you and I have a peace and a rest about it as we let Him lead and direct in our life because our hand in his, we can have comfort and strength and joy. And so I, I'm challenged from time to time, and I know that probably some of you can um, resonate with this thought, but you know, as I grow older, what I sing in our hymns, I think about more than I ever did. And we do sing songs that um, I thought of a couple as I was thinking about this message uh, entitled where our first line is where he will lead me I will go for I've learned to trust him so or I will go where you want me to go dear Lord um, 
And there are a number of other songs that we, we sing of a, a commitment to trust God and to follow him and to let him lead us. But my, my question to me and to you this morning is, are we doing that? The scripture challenges us. Our text says the just shall live by faith. And so we want to focus primarily on this aspect of faith this morning. Not only the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 was uh, persuaded um, this matter of God and and not being ashamed of that gospel and knowing that it was the it was that which brought fulfillment in his life and that which brought peace and gave him direction and that's what gave him strength and courage to go forward. He also said this in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse verse 7 and following the similar thought to Timothy. And I'll read, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and hath called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And so I'd like to look at these two facets of faith this morning. First of all, the fact of having faith that there is a God and that he is the one that gives the complete, the final answer, the final authority, the final direction. Um. There is coming a time when every knee is going to bow to Jesus Christ. There is coming a time when everyone is going to confess that he is Lord. Christian people are going to do it in confidence, but the ungodly are going to do it in fear and knowing the coming judgment. And so it's faith in God and then walking by faith in a daily life. I want to notice those two things, those two aspects of faith. And so first of all, faith begins with God. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, I'd like to read a few verses um, from that passage of Scripture uh, in my message this morning. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Speaking of God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so the truth of the matter is that there is no, this is an absolute. There is no change. There is no altering. It is by faith that you believe in God. And that I believe in God. And it's only because we have turned our hearts and our lives toward him. Because the faith that we have this morning is not something that we elevate and build up in ourselves alone. It's something that comes as a blessing from God. But it's important that we are open and ready 
to submit our life to allowing God to direct it. And so it begins with God. And we must believe that he is, well, going down further in the chapter of Hebrews 11, verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried or tested, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And notice this, verse 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And so we have the illustration of Abraham as really possessing this faith that we're wanting to think about this morning, wanting to elevate and extol um, and grow in our life. You know, Abraham lived in the Old Testament era. And there's a lot of advantages, and if I may say it that way, that you and I have this morning that Abraham didn't have. And the Spirit's direction was not, you know, as active in that time frame as it is in our day today. But Abraham believed God. And even though he waited 25 years or approximately for this promised son, and then was tested not so long after this young baby was born that he was to take him up on the mountain and offer him as a sacrifice, give him up. And Abraham went and did what God asked him to do. And it says there that God, Abraham believed that if God wanted him to be sacrificed, even though he already had waited so long for this child, this promise to be fulfilled. And now he was called to sacrifice his son. Abraham believed. Abraham believed and had faith that God would raise him up again if that was his plan. And so I think it was Adam Clark that gave this comment in his commentary. The object of Abraham's faith was not God's promise, that was the occasion of its exercise. His faith rested in God himself. Number two, faith believes all that the Bible tells us about God. You see, there are many aspects of God. If people haven't totally um, moved God out of their life and out of the picture of living, uh, they if they still believe in God, they have an opinion about various things. And don't think about God and all his attributes and the absolutes that he is and that, that he um, presents to all of us through his word. But I'd like to notice that this morning because I think it's very paramount in our understanding of this faith in God. God is eternal. He is the giver of life, physical and spiritual. God is holy. He is pure, free of any blemish and demands man's worship. God is truth. All of mankind have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That's the word of God speaking. That's not something that man has devised. And many people don't want to accept that because they think they're good in themselves and they can elevate themselves further and further to a more perfect human race. Well, we know better because of the word of God. 
But God is truth, and we accept that as final authority, absolute. God is sovereign. He rules over all and controls the events of the universe. We don't understand all the operations of how God works in the nations. It's been prayed about this morning here, and it is a very uh, need for us to pray about it. But I believe that in this election, God moved in the hearts of many people, even though just as Pharaoh, just as Nebuchadnezzar, and many other men in the Old Testament era, and you could read about it in the New Testament as well, kings, authorities made choices and decisions. They were their own. Yet God was moving through their thoughts and brought those things into being in their life, and they made choices based on their thoughts and um, rejected God or accepted God or moved to his plan or you know, seemed to be in opposite. But God raised up, God put down, God brought into Israel's life judgment because of sin, God brought them back to establish them again and so on. We see God is sovereign. God is just. All judgment is without error, no fault in decisions. His record is correct. God is almighty. His power is greater than any. And I suppose that, uh, you know, we, we can fathom a little bit or understand how God's presence was manifested, whether it had been in the tabernacle, whether it was at the Mount Sinai or wherever. You know, the children of Israel saw some very vivid expressions of God's power and his might. But I think that we too can see the manifestation and greatness of God through the events of life, even though it may not be so physical as they saw it in the old covenant. God is almighty. And we see him using the wind, the rain, the snow, the cold, the heat, um, whatever. God is providential. He provides for us. He cares for humanity. That's why we have an increase. God has made a promise all the way back at the time of the flood uh, and right after the flood. You know, seed time and harvest, harvest and so on. God is providing. Maybe not the excesses that many people think he should be, but he is providing. So we have faith that this is true because God is God. God is everlasting. There is no end, no beginning. There is no limit, no change. God is wise, all wise. His wisdom is beyond our comprehension. It never can be exhausted. It never can be written all that can be known of God because God is God. God is all-knowing. He knows you and I. He knows our hearts. He knows our very thoughts before we think them. And that is quite sobering. God is everywhere present. He can direct the affairs of this world worldwide at the same time. And that's really not something that I can comprehend in a, in a measure other than to re recognize and accept that what it is, it is. Number three, faith believes and expresses confidence in the promises of God. 
And we want to look again at Hebrews 11 uh, and the life of Abraham again in verse 8 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, it says he obeyed. In other words, he believed. He accepted what God wanted him to do. He said, I will go. Just like Isaiah, when he saw God and God was raising the question and Isaiah said, here am I, I will go. Verse nine, by faith, he, Abraham, sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked, and this is the paramount phrase, um, in this portion of scripture that I want to notice, Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham wasn't journeying in the land of Canaan or in this strange land just to look and look for the great cities and, and towers and, and established a great country and so forth. He was following the direction of God. And it says here that he was looking for something beyond this life, beyond this world, or out of this world, for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And even though... Um, I believe there was some doubt in her heart at time, at one time particularly. Yet it says here that Sarah had faith that what God had promised he would bring to pass. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, it says there about Abraham again, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. And those words have some real impact on this truth because that means there was no doubt. And so often I have doubts of wondering how this is all going to work out. Maybe you do. But it says he was fully, fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. In the fourth place, <clears throat> Faith expresses and commits its dependence on the source of belief, which for the Christian is the eternal God. And so we go back again to 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 12, reading further from where we had read earlier. And the Apostle Paul in writing to Timothy, it says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, I think he was speaking about the persecution that he was suffering and the adversity of the enemy, Satan. He says, nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And so I asked myself the question and you this morning, Am I, are you that persuaded? Um, that's a real challenge for us in living because, you know, the longer, uh, maybe this is not the correct statement, but I think it seems the longer that this world 
is going, the more things that humanity has to take the place of God. The more idols that are manifesting themselves and they can make inroads into our own lives if we're not careful. And of course, all of you know the influences of the technology that we have today. And so these many things in our world are bidding for our attention and can rob us of our faith in God. <clears throat> but we need to be persuaded that we are trusting God and will move forward by that faith as he directs us. Well, in 1 Peter 4, verse 19, Wherefore let them that suffer to, according to the will of God. And, you know, we have it in another portion. I, I didn't have that verse jotted down, but it might be in Timothy. One of the books of Timothy that uh, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's not if, but it's a positive. Shall. <clears throat> and so you and I are going to face opposition. And he says here in Peter that them that suffer according to the will of God, let us commit the keeping of our souls unto him, to God in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. God has never failed anybody since the creation. God will never fail anyone from here on as he tarries, as the world stands. It depends on you and I in this matter of faith whether I'm willing to commit that, that trust and that confidence in God day by day, event by event of life, moment by moment, are we trusting God? Are we having that faith in God? <clears throat> the fifth one is, faith acknowledges that life here is a transit experience and that it focuses on the eternal life to come. <clears throat> we are strangers and pilgrims here in this world as God's people, as Christian people. We have that mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And it's important that you and I live an honest and godly life. It's very important because the witness of the gospel can be marred and can be hindered if you and I are not that faithful witness anchored by our faith and belief in God. We are pilgrims and strangers because we are to be looking for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. <clears throat> and in Hebrews chapter 11, going back to that scripture again, it says in verse 13, these all died in faith. Speaking about those under the old covenant and a number of people. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And so, beloved, this morning, as we think about this matter of faith, the just shall live by faith. I would like to challenge us and encourage us that we are looking beyond this world 
Our scope of focus, it goes beyond today. It goes beyond this life. And I know for some of us here this morning, some of you are young. And I recognize that when I was your age, you know, I looked at things a little differently than I do today. But at, at 68, it's not the same. Because I recognize that, you know, my life may have a few more years, but it's by and large three-fourths spent or more. Only the Lord knows. We met a lady at a nursing home recently, which is 106 years old. I don't anticipate that. And probably most of you don't either. Um, but if you're only 20, or if you're even younger than 20, or if you're only 30, you know, uh, that looks some different. But it is important that we still have that aspect of faith in God that looks beyond this life. And continually reconcile in our heart, reckon in our mind, that we are pilgrims and strangers. We're just passing through. It's a transit experience. And while we're here, we're to be the ministers of reconciliation. And so I raised the question in closing, is it true that my commitment to Christ is no stronger than my faith? And maybe that's not a revealing question, but I think it probably can challenge us. Is it true that my commitment to Christ is no stronger than my faith? And so I asked this morning also, how do I show my life of faith? Am I willing to lay aside enough? Now maybe that's making degrees here. But I'm saying enough of this physical life, uh, that focus aside so that we can really focus on the walk of faith that God wants us to walk in and live by. And am I being able to prove that I'm believing all that God is and all that God will do and all that he says is true and absolute through my life? Am I proving my faith? Not that I have to prove to anybody, but it's important this morning that that uh, proof, I believe, is manifested in my life and in yours. I read some time ago in the scriptures in 2 Kings chapter 6 where, you know, we may feel like sometimes we're faced with the multitude of, of um, enemy multitude of counter power or counter influence whether it be against us personally or whether it be against family members whether it be against church family or or other people you know we're faced with the multitude of the enemy well i'd like to just recount this this account here as something that could challenge us also this morning in second kings chapter 6 we have the account where uh, the king of Assyria was wanting to get a hold of Elisha because Elisha was telling the people of Israel that here's where the king of Assyria is going to come, so stay away from that place. And this happened several times, and the king of Assyria said, well, said to his own army, he said, 
who of you is for God's people or for Elisha? Because we can't never get a hold of these people. Can't never. They're always avoiding us. They know where we're going to be. <clears throat> and so they said, well, it's Elisha. One of his own army said, it's Elisha that's telling the people, the children of Israel, that you're going to go here. And so they stay away from there. They avoid it. They, they are, you know, they're, they're just getting away from you. And so then the king said, well, we're going to get this Elisha because he knew where he was supposed to be. And so as this enemy was camping out on the hill from where Elisha and his servant was, it was a great multitude and there was no match between Elisha and his couple people with him other than that God was with him and he had faith. And so when the servant went out and saw this multitude and the hosts on the mountain, he was distressed and he said, Elisha, what are we going to do? And Elisha prayed and said, God, open the eyes of this young man, this servant of mine, show him who you really are and where you are. And it says that the whole hosts of God filled the mountain. And there was more of God's presence, as it were, chariots and horses and so forth, and this light, bright, fire-like. There was greater presence of God there than the enemy. And so I want to challenge myself and you this morning that in the midst of living and in the midst of the many challenges we do face, let's have that faith in God that he can show himself strong and that not that we're going to just have some special prayer and, and pronounce some special benediction on somebody or on our own selves or whatever, you know, at, on our own will and what have you. No, it has to be the direction of God and the presence of God. May God bless us. May God help us, encourage us. May we be challenged to go forward in this day because our God is the God that will rule and overrule and he will be the God in the end. Let's bow our heads to pray. Holy Father in heaven, we thank you this morning that we can receive encouragement and strength in this era, in this generation, from your word and from your spirit speaking to our hearts. Thank you for this body of believers here and I pray that you bless them as they go forward in the church life, in family life, and in community life, and in witnessing for you, Lord. I just pray that you would build them up, give them encouragement, give them strength. And as they seek you, Lord, just work a work that only you can do. And Lord, we just ask that you might be with us wherever we are, whoever we are, wherever we go, day by day. Challenge us with the fact that you want us to live each day by faith. Just committing our ways, trusting you that you know best, having confidence that you will lead us, you will direct us, you will bring experiences into our life that will purify us, that will mold us and shape us to be that person you want us to be. And for the glory that you can receive. Lord, we just want to be surrendered to that and to continue by faith to walk, even though it is uncertain, even though we don't know what the future holds, even though we don't know 
uh, where it will lead us, yet we, with confidence, not blindly, but by faith, we will walk forward knowing that you know best and will do what is best. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.